0: Hey Jacob, Swell Online, this is week two of If I Were Honest. Last week we talked about how important it is to learn to be honest with ourselves, even though that's a really difficult thing to do. This week we're going to talk deeply about what it means to be honest about how much effort I'm putting towards becoming a better person as I take steps
1: to know and become like Christ. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. (laughs) So before I dive into the message, I want to interrupt this sermon with a little commercial. Uh, simply saying, hey, uh, next Saturday is a really important day for the building project because we're going to be doing external landscaping stuff. So we have a landscaper coming. We got like six areas. We've got to get landscaped. So you're going to help. Next Saturday be a great time to do that. End of commercial. Um, we're going to do the Tuesday, Wednesday, and all the other stuff. But next Saturday, big day. We need some hands. Now we will return to your regularly scheduled sermon. Have you ever exaggerated your effort? Never. Okay, you may leave. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, I can't find it. Have you looked in your room? Yes, I searched the whole thing. Go in, it's right on the bed. I studied and I studied and I studied. And I still got a bad grade. I studied, I crammed the night before and just kind of tanked it. Yeah, boss, I called that
0: guy. I've been chasing him down. Called one time, left a message, didn't really do it. Have you ever exaggerated your effort? That is to say, convinced yourself that you have tried something, you have worked it, you have done it, and given yourself the excuse that because I tried it and it didn't work, I guess it doesn't work. Well, 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 that's kind of what we want to talk about this weekend. Now, last week, we exposed a myth. We said that there's a myth about honesty. And the, the myth, and it's very common in our today, Today is that the highest good is to not let people feel bad. And so if you've got to tell a little lie to make people feel bad, you know what, um, you shouldn't do it. You know, or make people feel good, you should do it. But, but you know what, honesty, you know, not so much. Don't ever make people feel bad. And last week, we talked about how very often honesty requires us to feel a little bad, to look at things that are difficult, to be honest, listen now, about the way the world actually is. Well, there's a second myth I want to talk about this week, and the myth I want to talk about this week is kind of a a current thing here in the modern world, where, and the myth is this, is that if something is difficult, I shouldn't have to do it. If something is hard, someone else should do it. It should be easier. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this complicated. And and what I really want you to see this weekend is that the opposite is actually true. So much of what you find in terms of the meaning of life The excitement of life, the joy of life is taking on a thorny problem and coming up with a bunch of different ideas and trying one that doesn't work and trying another one that doesn't work and then trying one where you make some progress and then that doesn't work. So you regroup and you do it again and you come up with a plan and you work the plan. You work the plan when it's exciting, you work the plan when it's tedious, you push it through and at the end of the day you accomplish something you say, I did that. I, I graduated from that that class. I graduated with that degree. I built that thing. I helped this person. I studied this thing and now I've mastered it and I understand. And so here's the deal. So much of the true joy in life is actually when we understand that we are always better when we have a challenge in front of us. And so this idea that if things are easy, I shouldn't have to do it. Things are, if things are difficult, I shouldn't have to do it. You know, if things are different, I should get, get, get just an off-ramp. And, and, and let me just tell you that our world will create all kinds of off-ramps when we've got something difficult to do, right? I mean, it's just like, I wonder what's on Netflix. You know, I spend more time browsing about what to watch on Netflix than watching Netflix. Anybody else? There's nothing here. Entertain me. Entertain me. And all that kind of thing. I can always surf the web. Because they put new stuff on it every day. I don't know if you know that or not. But they just keep adding and adding and adding to it. You know, I can check a text. I can, I can send a quick email. I can do some easy thing that will keep me from doing The difficult thing, which would actually pay off in a deep and profound way. There's a wonderful quote, and this is especially true about Christianity, by the way, by G.K. Chesterton. It's just a a life quote for me. It's really what the message is named after this weekend. And, And the quote is this. It says, the Christian ideal, that is to say the best expression of Christianity, Christianity that really works to transform you and transform those around you and transform culture, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, It has been found difficult and left untried. And so there are a lot of us who have dabbled in Christianity. Talked to so many people, said, yeah, I went to church. I checked it out. I looked into it. There's nothing to that. You know, I, I looked into it. Other people said, you don't understand. I've been around church for a long time. Well, here's the deal. Just because you've been around church for a long time doesn't mean you've been serious about your pursuit of Christ. It doesn't mean maybe you've just been shallow for year after year after year. And and so what I want to challenge you with is to ask yourself an honest question. How has my pursuit of Christ been? How has my understanding of Christianity been? Now, maybe you could answer that question that a long time ago, I was it. You know, I I worked it. I did it. And you know what? I've reached this point where I'm kind of plateaued. And, And you know what? Another word for plateaued is in your life? Bored. I think we live in a world of chronic boredom. That is to say, we just want something in front of us. We want a challenge. We want something to live for. Something that's going to make me better, or something better, or life better. And if we've just gone through life, I'm going to play it safe. It's hard, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to do the easy things. Eventually, we're going to be looking around and saying, wow. Is this all there is? And so, this idea of keeping challenging from us is absolutely huge. Now, we're calling this message series, If I Were Honest, because we're identifying just some some things that people are saying about their spiritual life and about their life in general when they're honest. We're just identifying that people are saying that if I were honest, I don't think my faith is working. I don't seem to be having the same experience other people are having. If I'm honest, I have serious doubts about some of these Christian beliefs that we hold. I just don't know how they reconcile with things I may be learning in the world or things I'm seeing in the world or things I'm learning at school. If I were honest, I have some big inconsistencies in my life. I do some things that are just not what we would call Christian and I got I to gotta make sense of that. If I were honest, I don't have people with whom I feel close. Most people say, a majority of people say I don't have a close friend. And if I were honest, I'm thinking about actually giving up on church. That I've been drifting for a long time. I feel plateaued. I feel like I've been there, bought the t-shirt, you know, and, you know, just not sure whether or not I'm going to keep doing this. See, this is the deal. And that's what we dug into this deeply. And we said, what happens when you have a group of believe, things you believe, and then there's these huge inconsistencies in your life, it's, it creates this thing called dissonance. And dissonance is a horrible way to live, because it frees you up. and it Not frees you up, it freezes you up. And it, and it makes life just like there's a horrible sound in your ear, your, 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 and you can't focus, and you can't go on. And, and many times, to its shame, the church has said, Ignore your dissonance. Ignore your doubts. Don't ask questions. Because if you have faith, you just power through and say, God, mystery, all that kind of stuff. Listen, and what we wanted you to see starting last week is that actually faith is engaging your doubts. It's listening to your dissonance. Say, what if what if I listen to that and undermines my faith? Well, that's the nature of faith. Is it goes to scary places? It goes to challenging places. It asks questions. And what you're going to find is that people who've been doing Christianity for like two thousand years, there's actually a lot better answers to these questions than you think. But they don't come easy. They require some deep thinking and hard work. You might have to read a book as opposed to a blog post. You do have to have to do some actual digging in instead of the dangerous thing of just letting yourself drift. You see, this is the deal. Dissonance is a horrible way to live. But engaging the questions, not just on the fly, not a quick Google search, can help you in a profound way. Now, we said several things last week that are just worth repeating. The big point last week is that the key to leading me is being honest with myself, even if it makes me feel bad. And that very often being honest with yourself at first goes, oh, I hate that about me. Oh, that's an ugly thing. That's a hard thing. And, and how we're not going to get caught in the trap of loathing ourselves and hating ourselves and beating ourselves up. We're just going to be honest about the weaknesses, the struggles, the sins in our life. Then we're going to take some steps. We also said that not only is that the big point, but there's a big problem. And that the hardest person for me to be honest with is myself that we should not underestimate our ability to lie to ourselves. That's why we need other people. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, so that we can, make just, we can just be uh, people who are honest. Because living a life that's dishonest puts you out of step with reality, and, and it creates all kinds of tensions. And, and we asked you and we asked ourselves to make these questions, uh, we had these commitments that we want to commit to say these three things, that, that I will not lie to myself even when I feel bad, I'm not going to be the type of per- I'm going to try to be the type of person with whom others can be honest, because that's essential to community, that I want to people in my life who love God, love truth, love me, who will tell me things, and I want to be receptive to that. And the other thing is, I'm going to strive to be honest in my relationships. I'm going to do the hard work of figuring out, you know, what I can do in my relationships to be honest. Some of you are saying, well, you don't understand, some of my relationships, I can't be honest. Well, then you should probably distance yourself from those relationships. If you can't have honesty in a relationship, our work really hard to engage in and say, what are we going to do in this relationship to become more honest, become more open, to talk about difficult things, so we can grow past us. And so, again, we're not going to fall into a trap of beating ourselves up. We're going to take the mature view, the adult view, of being a growing person. Now, now this week, I want to say something to you, in the spirit of what I just said, that's probably going to make you feel bad at first. Welcome to Jacob's Well. (laughs) Kind of what we do. You know, I just bring stuff up. We're just talking about stuff, right? You know? And, and here's the deal, though. But if you get past the initial, uh, there is so much hope in what I want to share with you. Oh, my goodness. It could change everything. And, and so this is the thing I want you to understand about, about effort and about telling yourself the truth. So this is just blinding flash of the obvious. You ready? I have participated in every bad decision I've ever made. Can I get an Amen. That's right. It's just obviously true. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're financial or your relationship or your spiritual. It's a big thing or a little thing. The one common denominator in every bad decision that you've made is you. And the bad decisions I've made, the thing is me. And so we're all in this kind of boat that has to say, huh, my life is kind of what I made it. My situation, now some of you are going to say, oh, you don't understand this happened, and they said this, and they did this. And listen, there may be a lot of truth to that. And I'm your pastor. I know what goes on in a lot of your lives. I know there's a lot of truth to that. But listen, if you focus on what you didn't have, and what you didn't get, and what they did, and this bad thing, some really dark stuff that happened, then you slip into this place of being a victim. And you, and you then say, because I'm a victim, I either need someone to come and save me, I need someone to come and and dance in here and and save the, the day or say something great. And what it keeps you from doing is taking responsibility for your life. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible for your life. And you are responsible for your growth. You are responsible. That's what we mean here at Jacob's Well. We talk about these five commitments. One of them is grow. And, and who's responsible to help cause you to grow? Well, you are. Now You have the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about just bootstraps relying on yourself. I'm talking about doing the things you need to do to engage God and the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit in healthy patterns of living in relationship. And listen, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. It doesn't matter whether you want it to be different. It doesn't matter if your vision is for someone to ride in and to save your day. At the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility for your life. Now, here's the good news about that, about decision-making and choices. The decisions you made, even the good ones, the bad ones, but we're talking about the bad ones right now, were all uh, an indication of a pattern of thinking that led to a pattern of behavior. And, and when you have a pattern of thinking and a pattern behavior, it's going to lead where that thinking and that behavior is going to lead. Again, doesn't matter how you feel about that. Doesn't matter if you wished it was going to lead someplace else. Doesn't matter if you know you're going to pair yourself to others where they did and they got away with it. it. It's not as good in their life as it looks. It just doesn't matter. But here's the good news about that. If your pattern of thinking, your pattern of behavior led you to a bad place, listen now. If you change your pattern of thinking and your pattern of behavior, you're going to go someplace else. And so if your pattern of thinking gets in line with God and the Spirit and righteousness, what the Bible calls righteousness, it's not a word we talk about enough. Righteousness means I'm doing the right things. I'm thinking the right way. It's leading to a good place. I'm overcoming challenges. I go through suffering different differently. When, when I change my thinking and my behavior, it leads me to a different place. It leads me to a place that, that can be so much better. But what starts with us saying, you know what? I'm not going to embrace the victim thing. You know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my life, and I'm going to engage in this thing, and I'm going to seriously talk about my effort. Now, the passage of Scripture I want to show you that that really blows this up, that really kind of uh, helps us understand, is a passage from the book of the Bible called the book of Hebrews. Now, two things important about the book of Hebrews before we look at the text. The first is simply this. Hebrews is hard. It's just hard. I remember in seminary, we had to translate Hebrew into the Greek language. It's even hard for that. Greek is hard to start with. But then you do Hebrews, and it's like weird words. It's, it's obscure vocabulary, complex sentences. And then you look at the content of the book of Hebrews. You have to understand all kinds of things from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You need so much background information that it's hard. So Hebrews is kind of the deep end of the pool in terms of the Bible. Okay? But here's the thing I want to say again. Just because something's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't have to do it. It's worth the effort. The truths, the glory, the beauty, the way so much of the the conflicts you may be feeling about Christianity come together in a book like Hebrews, oh man, it's glorious. But it requires some work. And it's not the kind of work someone else can do for you. It's not the kind of work you're going to find in a quick Google search. This is the kind of work that, that will sink into your heart when you're willing to do the efforts to learn how to use the word of God. Now, now the other thing you need to understand about the book of Hebrews is this, is that there's many themes in the book of Hebrews, but one of the main themes of the book of Hebrews, perhaps the central reason that it was written, is it warns about the danger of drifting from faith. It warns about something called apostasy, falling away. That at one point, my faith was alive, it was amazing, but I reached this plateau, and then I got bored, and then I convinced myself that I saw all that there was there, And then I just started to coast, and then more and more, I just got numb and numb and numb, and then I drifted away. See, the book of Hebrews does not warn that some big crisis or some big instance is going to just totally just undermine your faith. It warns about the power of drift, the power of moral drift. The power of of intellectual drift, of spiritual drift, and how there is a call to be a person who intentionally engages their faith in every aspect of life, engages in the challenges of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So, listen to this passage of scripture that says there is a dangerous place for you to be. And and this is one of seven major warning passages about this in the book of Hebrews. So, it starts in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, and it says this He says, About all this, I have much to say. Let me just stop there and just say to you, particularly those of you who maybe have been around for a long time, feel like you've heard it, you get it, you got your theology, done some Bible study, there's so much more. And if you've convinced yourself because of what you've done in the past, if you give yourself permission to, to take it easy because what you've accomplished in the past, and you think you're a deep and mature person, don't fool yourself. That very often those ones, and I've seen this in my own life, who think they're so mature actually have profound points of immaturity in their life. And one of the greatest dangers for you is to feel like I can just coast from here on in. There's not another challenge, there's not another read, there's not another thing that I can do. Because what he's saying is there's so much more I want to say to you. The passage he just got done teaching on in, in Hebrews 4 and 5 and 1, 2, 3 is all about amazing things about Jesus and prayer and angels. And it's incredible passage of scripture that have layers of meaning that you could apply at different stages of your life if you'd re-engage it. Because here's the deal. I don't know if you realize this about reading the Word of God. Every time you read it, you're a new person. Because you've had experiences from the last day. And if it's been a while since you've engaged in something, you reread it and say, Now I understand that because now I have this life experience. I'll tell you what, there are major portions of the scripture I didn't understand before I had kids. You know, about wrath and judgment. No, I mean, um, <clears throat> I mean love. I meant love. Love, you know, those kinds of things. I have wonderful children. There's all kinds of things I didn't understand about struggle until I had some struggles, right? There's all kinds of things I didn't understand about betrayal until I've been betrayed. And when we understand we go through those hard things, those difficult things, the Word of God has potential to come alive in your life. The person of Jesus has potential to become unbelievably real. When you understand his betrayal of Judas and then you've been betrayed, all of a sudden you're bonded with him. But all that comes if you stay engaged, if you keep doing the work. But if you park, you're in, you're, you're in danger of missing so much. He says, about this we have much to say, but it is hard to explain. Not because it's so complicated, not because you're not smart enough. He says, but it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. That is to say, you're bored with it. You just got used to it. You've convinced yourself that you're further along on the journey than perhaps you are. That you've just kind of gotten numb. This is one of the ways it works, by the way. You come, and your faith is new, and you just hear the word of God, and it just convicts you, it moves you, and, and you hear a message. You say, oh, I've got to do something with that. And you just leave, and you don't do anything with it. Then you come a little time later, that same message comes to you, because that's what the Spirit does, and you listen to it. So, I just got to do something with that, but you know I'm just going to push it away. I'm going to let live with my dissonance, and then you go again. And then the third time, say, yeah, that's that thing. I, I should do something. And the fourth time, I'm not even listening. You see, you become dull of hearing. Because when you reject the Word of God, that's what it means to harden your heart, by the way. That you just push the spirit away. It's not that the spirit abandons you. It's that you just keep putting this thicker and thicker shell around your heart. You say, no, no, no. You become dull of hearing. It's a very dangerous place to be. You'll also notice joy goes away in your life. Excitement goes away in your life. Passion goes away in your life. Because those things only come, listen now. Those things only come with people who are willing to take up a challenge. Willing to do something difficult. Think about something thorny dress a problem that's difficult. Look at some area of their life that needs improvement and come up with a plan and work it to make the plan better. All dependent on God, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about self-effort here. I'm, I'm talking about your part in your growth. Now, now, look what he says. He says, for by this time, so this is some folks who have been around for a while. You, you ought to be teachers. That is to say, you ought to be proficient in stuff so that you're helping other people who are new to the faith are not where you're at. He said, he said, you should be teachers. You need someone to teach you. Again, the most basic principles of obedience and the oracles of God, the revelation of God. We need to go over basic theology. We need to go over basic obedience. We need to go over basic, spend time reading your Bible. You ought to be just proficient in helping other people understand how to do this. And, 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 and even life uh, ambitions. One of the greatest joys in life is when you get so good at someone, something that someone asks you, say, will you teach me to do that? And that can be carpentry to Bible study to all kinds of other things. Or your boss comes to you say, Yo, you nailed this. Will you present this to the other salespersons? Will you present this to the other people? Because you have now become a more significant person. And I want to tell you, you want to talk about learning? Learn, learning multiplies by 10 when you have to teach it to someone else, right? Right? It's a joy. It makes life rich. It makes life fulfilling. It gives you meaning in your life. You're making other things better. He said, "By this time, you should be experiencing that. That's some what you're missing out. But you keep taking the easy path. You keep keep not doing the the difficult things that you must do." He said, "For this time, you ought to be teachers. Yet you need someone to teach you the oil of God." He says this. He said, "You need milk, not solid food." Now that's a reference to a newborn baby who lives on milk. He says, you're still, you know, just basic. You're still getting your, your, your nourishment from someone else. You should be growing up so you can eat food. You can take in more significant stuff. And, and you can start discerning what you want to eat and all those kinds of things like that. He says, but you're just, you're on milk. He looked at verse 13. He says, for everyone who lives on milk. Look at this, what he says. Such a profound scripture. The people who just live on milk. Just take the basics. And don't, don't do the hard work of growing and maturing. Is unskilled in the word from God that leads to righteousness. That is to say, they have not learned to take this or sermons or prompting the Holy Spirit and translate them into a new way of thinking and a new way of behaving that leads to different results. You know, you are only, listen, you may know, you have memorized this entire book. Maybe you know the stories in it. Maybe you're super familiar with it. But until this book changes your life, it's of no benefit. Until this book leads you to telling the truth more, doing things right, living righteously or rightly, until it changes the way you look at relationships and teaches you to forgive and teaches you to do the hard work of loving one another, well, then actually, there's a point where it actually becomes negative for you. Because if all you do is know what's in this book, you become a Pharisee, you become puffed up, and then you become a different kind of crack that Hebrews warns about someone who is full of knowledge but denies the power therein the power of transformation. And so when you understand the purpose of this book is to change me, that I might be a person who brings change to others, it becomes powerful. But when we're just in the the shallow end of the pool, we won't do the difficult things, we're described as unskilled in the words of righteousness. We haven't learned how to bring positive change to our life in this world, this is because since we're a child. So he's basically saying, spiritually speaking, unless change is taking place in your life, You're immature, you're a child, you're an infant. A big baby is what the Greek word says. So he's being a little offensive here. It's not him, it's not me, it's him. So so verse 14, he goes on to say, but solid food, deep stuff, profound questions, a hard work, again, of seeing a problem, making a plan, working the plan, following it through when it's exciting and when it's bored. That is a lost art. To stick with something when it's tedious when it's bored, when it's difficult, that, that is, by the way, when character is born, that is, where, that is where dignity is born, to stick with something difficult and bring it to completion, oh my goodness, that, that's when at the end you look at it and say, look what this is, it's awesome. Look what I did. He said, Now that's that's solid food for the mature. My my brother's a carpenter. He's a gifted carpenter. And I love when he shows me something he he built uh, 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 a hope chest or uh, an inlaid seat in a window. He will go over to it and he will just rub his hand over it. And he will just look and say, He did this and, and I did these little connection points. He's got a word for it. I don't know. I'm not good at that. But he is. And he just, you can see, he takes pride in it. There's dignity. This is something I have created. It's not a yucky, nasty kind of pride. It is a dignity because he knows what it cost him to do that. Every person who graduates with a degree and recognizes those long nights of memorizing that stuff or learning how to do this, it was so hard at first, but now I'm kind of proficient at it. The person who gets the promotion because they stuck with the difficult task and they made more calls than everybody else and and they stayed later and they did some stuff and get that promotion, there's a dignity in that. And and when we understand that, that that is what it means to be mature, that's solid food. The person who takes time to approach the word of god they go to right now media they join a group or they get a devotion and in week after week they study the word of god to such a point that it starts becoming who they are not just something they know but the word of God starts living in them just as an incredible thing. He says that kind of solid food is for the mature. Look at this. For those who have their power of discernment trained by constant practice. You see the power in that, that little phrase. All the prepositional phrases are just so incredibly powerful. He says, he says again, for, for those who have, been, have their powers of discernment. What's power of discernment? The ability to know the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. The the thing that comes through struggle and experience and just becoming a more significant thing. That's the power of discernment. It's trained by constant practice. Constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is a good way. This is a bad way. This is why when your kids are little and they hadn't figured it out yet, you just see, particularly as dads, that you can do anything. My dad can change the tire on a car. Why? Why can dad do that? Well, because once he had a flat tire and didn't know how to do it, and he had to figure that out, Right? My, my dad, my dad knows the answers to all these questions. Well, why? Because he's got some experience and life experience. And and right now it just seems this incredible thing. And, and that's the deal. It seems so mature. It seems like because he took this thing of of, of of going through life with character, doing difficult things, doing difficult challenges, and and mastered things that now doesn't even realize they've mastered. You know, understands how to balance a checkbook and understands how to make a budget and understands the discipline. By the way that that takes, in financial responsibility, and that's just hard work. But mature people do the character work to make that happen in the most wonderful, wonderful way. It's, so look at the last verse. He says, therefore, therefore, because of what I've just said, let us leave behind the basics of Christ. We've got that. Going over it and over again, and let's go on to growing up, to maturity. Let's go on to say, you know what? What are the hard things I must do in my life so that I can make progress in life. And that may be a spiritual question, maybe a professional question, maybe an education question, might be a relational question, maybe something that the Spirit of God is prompting on you says, This is the season we're gonna work on this hard thing in your life. Maybe be a health question, maybe be something that you're doing. And, th- and what you're gonna find is to have the courage to be honest about it and then have the the, the determination to work hard at it, this creates a focus in your life. It creates an energy in your life. It creates just a joy in your life. There's something wonderful about having a challenge in front of you that you're working on, that you're thinking about. And and I tell you what, there is a dignity, an honor that, that is part of the human person when you accomplish something that costs you something. And if you bought this myth of our culture that everything should be easy, everything should be Google easy, you know, just look it up. Someone else has done the work. I'm going to get them. Just assume they know what they're talking about. Instead of doing my own hard work, oh my gosh, you're missing what life is. And don't be surprised if you get discouraged, bored, uninterested. I mean, it can actually lead to despair that what is life all about? So much of life is about the growth, the growth of your, your person. And, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, it, what we're really talking about is a biblical concept that starts, it's mentioned in the very earliest part of the Bible, middle part, Jesus said it, Old New Testament folks said it, it's just all over. And this is the biblical principle. You've heard it before, right? Be not deceived. That's how it starts when Jesus said it. Be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, he will reapeth. So let me say it on King James. Let me say it so you understand it. Whatever you reap, you're going to sow. So the seeds you plant are going to grow into what those seeds are. Now, again, it doesn't matter if you want something else to grow. It doesn't matter if it makes you feel bad. It doesn't matter if it seems like everybody else, you don't get all, listen, set that aside. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about this moment. Every person in this room is harvesting right now. Now, your harvest may be great, it may be hard, it may be difficult. You've got a harvest coming in because of seeds you planted yesterday, right? Things you did have led you to the place you are today. Now, now again, don't waste any time beating yourself up, feeling bad about that self-loathing. That is an immature response, and it will trap you, okay? Say, yep, that's it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to be honest about it. But here's the really good news, all right? You know what? Everybody is harvesting today, but today... Every single person here is planting seeds. Think about that. You are planting seeds for your harvest tomorrow. And if you plant the same seeds thinking you're going to get a different harvest, you're fooling yourself. But hear me now. Please hear me. If you were to think differently and act differently, if you were to engage with difficult things in a different way, and you were to plant different seeds, everything could change. Do you hear that? If you were willing to do the hard work, the hard work of asking difficult questions, of looking at a problem honesty and resolving to say this is the plan and I'm going to work the plan and I'm going to bring people in my life to support me and I'm going to trust in God and I'm going to pray it all over. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. Things can actually change in your life because the principle of reaping and sowing always, always works. So that just leaves you at a place where you've got some choices to make. First thing, you just got to be honest about being honest. Am I being honest with myself? Then you got to be honest about your effort. You know what? I've got these doubts about Christianity, and I've actually, you know, just kind of listened a little bit here and Googled a little bit there, and it didn't feel right. And so I feel my faith drifting away, but I've never actually honestly looked into those questions. I've never, you know, I have doubts whether or not I can trust this book. Well, what have you read about it? What have you studied? Who have you listened to? What classes have you gone to? You stuff like that? Well, there's a thing called Alpha. And Alpha is where you begin. And it lets you know why we stand on such solid ground with the person of Christ and the, the word of God. It gives you a place to ask those questions. And, and listen, you may not get it all resolved at Alpha, but you will, you will be given tools to say this is how you question, this is how you grow, rather than just letting your faith get chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. Not because you have tried faith, but you have fooled yourself into thinking you've tried faith. Because all you've tried is denying the doubt, which is not faith at all. Faith can cause you to say, I'm going to look doubt in the face, and I'm going to engage it. You, you, you may say, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just feeling like this Christianity's not working for me. Well, do you spend any time in the Word of God? And if you were in the Word of God, do you know how to do it? Are, are you in, say, I'm lonely. Are, are you in group life? Are, are you, say, I've been in a group. It didn't work. Try again. That's called resilience. It's called perseverance. Those are the things that are essential to being a person of character. To being a mature person. You know that's the whole thing. You know new behavior is hard. You're not going to be good at it. But but a character person says I tried it, it didn't work. I'm going to try it again. Try it again. I'm starting to hit this thing. And that's true of playing an instrument. Or figuring out relationships. That, that you persevere. And you don't look at a failure as as some kind of colossal. You know oh I guess I'm no good. I'm going to give up. You say okay that didn't work. Alright I'm going to try that again. It looks like. Opportunity. It looks like I'm going to lean into this problem. I want to become more significant. And so I want to challenge you this week with some next steps. And the next steps are simply this you know, several things. We have Devo's. We started writing the Devo's again. And this week's Devo is a study of John chapter 15, which talks about deeply learning to abide in Christ. You could go to the resource center, there's so many resources there. On so many life topics, you could go to Right Now Media. You say, "I don't know how to do that." Go to the, to the church website, go under Resources, and click on Right Now Media. You will get a password for over eighteen thousand different studies on all kinds of different topics. You have access to that. You, you could say, "You know what? I need to get in this Alpha thing." You keep talking about this Alpha thing. I need to go. I just need to rearrange my schedule and make that happen. And you said that'll be hard. Have you been listening? Okay, small groups, one of the small groups that I'm really highlighting this time, because I'm really convicted and concerned for where men are spiritually, is this on Tuesday mornings, I'm leading a group called Men of Influence, it's going to start at 6.15, we're going to have you out by 7.45, and this is just going to be deep questions about what it means to be a man of God, who becomes skilled, in the word of righteousness. Not just the Bible, but what does it mean to engage Christian faith in so many issues that are unique to what it means to be a man in this time where it's really complicated and confusing to figure out what that means. There are dozens of other small groups you can Text, you know, uh, uh, text JOIN to 900-900. Or you can go back to the table. There's, there's leaders back there who could talk you through that. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. But listen, if you're just going to say, leave this place and say, oh, what a great sermon Paul had, you know, and that was really something, and then you're not going to do anything with it this week, well, then that passage we just looked at Hebrews becomes a warning to you. And don't be surprised. Again, if you get bored with life, always taking the path of least resistance Taking the easy way, avoiding the hard stuff, oh my goodness. It leads to a life of absolute despair. It leads to a life where you wonder, why am I even living? It leads to a life where there's no passion, there's no energy. See, we must do difficult things. It's called growth. It leads to maturity. It's good for us. It's a blessing. It's a joy. And I tell you, let me just say this. You get one more thing. You get other people who are struggling well on the same kinds of things. It just changes everything. I got to pray. Let me pray. Father, I just love you. I love you in such a way that you are a God who doesn't just easily let us off the hook. You ask us to harvest the seeds we've planted. And some of us are doing some hard harvesting right now. But Father, fill our heart with hope right now that at the same time we're harvesting, we're planting next year's crop, next tomorrow's crop. And if we started changing how we thought, how we behaved, how we engaged in the word of God, if we gave ourselves Quit giving ourselves permission to see ourselves as a victim or, or just being bored. If we engage once again, or maybe for the first time, in willing to be, do deep, hard work, Father God, everything could change. Father, I pray for every person who's here today. I just pray that every person will hear from your Spirit about that area of their life, that one thing you say, okay, we're going to do some hard work on this. Free us from the folly of beating ourselves up about it, but instead fill us with a resolve, Father, under the power of your Spirit, to make changes in our life that would change everything. Again, I thank you that you are a God who celebrates this and and you give us the dignity of our struggle and the nobility of doing great things for you and in you and through you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name,
1: amen.